Hello, everyone. This is Roman Polnar, and welcome to Food for Thought, a series of conversations with entrepreneurs, professionals, thought leaders, and philanthropists in the Jewish community. Today, I'm excited to have this conversation with one of our Business Circle members, Margot Nijisere, about finding better ways to care for our aging family members. It's an important topic, and Margot is especially qualified to talk about it because she's a geriatric care manager and is the owner of Montclair Elder Services. She has a master's degree in gerontology from San Francisco State University and is a licensed nursing home administrator with over 20 years of experience working in the Bay Area in the senior care field. And in July 2020, she opened Montclair Elder Services, providing geriatric care management services, working with East Bay families. She lives in Oakland with her husband and her 11-year-old son. And before welcoming Margot into conversation, just a quick word from our sponsor. This series is brought to you by Hebrew Free Loan of San Francisco. Hebrew Free Loan is a nonprofit that provides interest-free loans to help Jewish individuals in Northern California overcome financial challenges and pursue life's dreams. Hebrew Free Loan has been supporting our community with interest-free loans for over 125 years, and this series of conversations is another way to offer resources and support. Each person that we're speaking with has real-world experience, and they volunteer to share their insights that may help you navigate whatever you may be facing in your own life or in your business. And if you're listening from outside of Northern California, and if you're wondering if there's a Jewish free loans that serves your area, please go to www.iajfl.org to see a network of more than 50 Jewish free loan agencies throughout the world with the common goal of providing interest-free loans to those in need. All right, and without further ado, let's get started with our show. Margo, welcome to Food for Thought. Thank you, Roman. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. We're glad to have you here. Um, and I know that this is not only an important topic, but I think it's also a very emotionally charged topic, and it's not often easy to talk about. And so maybe we just rip the Band-Aid right off and like tell us, like, what is a care manager? What do you guys do? And then we'll expand, and then you can tell us how we can prepare to care for our aging family members in a better way. Yeah, so geriatric care managers are specifically um, working with older adults, and mm -hmm. those are generally we call what we generally would call senior citizens, but we now refer to as older adults. And those are folks who are generally we're seeing 70s and older, not always, but generally older, older folks. And we are in the field. So we're directly um, out working with you at your home. Most of the time people are engaging with social workers that are at the hospital, maybe mm. at the rehab center, um, maybe at Jewish Family Community Services. They have some social workers, right? We see those um, Catholic charities, similar nonprofits. They have those social workers. We are generally private pay and um, or through a, uh, you can also generally get reimbursed through your long-term care benefit. And we're out there in the field with those families on the ground at their home or wherever they're calling home. So, um, and I will say geriatric care managers generally come from three different backgrounds. Um, my, like mine, gerontology, uh, which is the ex expertise in aging. Um, Licensed clinical social workers are nurses. So those are the three areas you'll see care managers come from. So the work that you do happens where folks are living, whether That's it's right. their home or somewhere else. 
Yes. I don't know any care manager that actually has an, an office that brings anybody in. We go where you're at mm-hmm. um, and care managers as a whole, um, we're on site with the clients. And then what we do specifically is there's a few, we do care management, which is, you know, supporting the overall care. Um, so that could be um, identifying in the home, how they could live better in the home, improve care in the home, put care into place in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, we can improve communications resources, community resources. We are experts in what's available out there in the field. So um, if I don't know it or another care manager doesn't know it, we're probably one phone call away versus a family member spending two hours on Google, you know, trying to figure out if this is the right resource and even covers the area their parent is in or the loved one. Um, we also create uh, support for dementia, which can be complex and ongoing, Parkinson's, um, maybe complex pain issues. Uh, Parkinson's is a very big area we focus on because um, that's a long-term disease that can look a lot of different ways. Um, also, when people are coming from hospital to home, you know, identifying like, what does that look like now that you've been mm-hmm. really sick? Uh, you know, maybe we need to look at some changes. Um or just figuring out, you know, things have, oftentimes people are reaching out to a care manager because things are not working. And they call me and they say, literally, like, I don't even have the words. They'll say, I am just so frustrated. I feel like I've, you know, written a check for this, written a check for that. And, and, and I come and I, and nothing's getting better. That's a really a poignant time when you see care managers really are effective and, and shine. Can you give us a either examples or stories, obviously those that at least you could share just to give us a real life, like sense of what everything that you just said looks like in somebody's life. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I always tell people um, that getting old, you know, we all know that getting old is hard, but what's even harder is change. And um, I think that we are seeing when you are older, you're seeing so much change, right? Your friend groups are changing. People move away to be closer to their family. They maybe move to new living environments. They're stopped driving. They don't drive at night, right? And COVID has really put a big, you know, kibosh on all of that as well. Mm. Um, but what I see is a lot of people in their homes that they can't manage anymore. I mean, I think about managing even my own home, which is not terribly large, but some people have lived in these homes that are huge. So often I'll go into a home and I'll be at this four bedroom home, which was lovely 50 years ago when they had a bunch of kids running around, right? Hmm. And maybe it was lovely when their grandchildren were there. But now this home is more work that they can't keep up and they can't, it becomes almost like a prison for them. They can't handle it. So figuring out like, well, how, if you want to stay in this home, how do you stay in this home? You know, what What are the safety concerns? And then it's always managing the risks and the benefits, no matter where you are, right? People always say, well, they could fall. Well, you could fall anywhere. You know, you could fall in Target, fall at home, right? Um, so, you know, managing living at home is a real common one. The other one is having those conversations about when people shouldn't drive or when they shouldn't be at home anymore. So really figuring out like, well, what is it going to mean for them to move out of their home or move closer to me or be in a memory care unit or get greater support? And when I say greater support, we're not just really talking about, you know, bringing in a caregiver who's going to sit and watch you eat your soup. It is not that. It is really like, uh, and I think that's where care managers really thrive is saying like, you know, it's a bigger picture. So. So I, I imagine 
going back to what you said earlier about change and how change, especially at this stage of life, can be difficult. Nick, are you coming in to talk people through some of these changes and prepare them emotionally, not just physically? Or like, how does that happen? Because I can't imagine that that's an easy like thing to go through for someone to realize that they're maybe losing some independence. Yeah, it is. It's really, you know, oftentimes people get so frustrated that they can't see the forest through the trees, right? They, they just can't, they're like day-to-day -day life has become so hard that, you know, getting to these doctor's appointments, picking up their medications, you know, maybe adjusting to, you know, uh, they're no longer able to cook anymore. Let's say they, they're just handling, like I had a client who couldn't lift her pots anymore and you don't think about it, but I don't know about you, but some of my pots in my kitchen are heavy and they don't have anything in them, right? So these are things that are minor things that can be big things. And it, it just becomes overwhelming. And so what I like to do is kind of step it back and say, okay, what, what are the things that, you know, let's go back to the very basics. Like, how are you getting up in the morning? How are you taking a shower? You know, let's, let's bring it back. And then I like to set goals, um, you know, good old fashioned goals, you know, like, okay, what's your goal? My goal is to cook one meal a week for myself. Okay, that's a great goal. And then maybe we can freeze some of that. Are you up to you know defrosting your meals? Great. Like sometimes our goals that people want are are not huge. Like it's to eat their own food, you know, and not have frozen meals. Or their goal is to, you know, they don't know how to use Uber. I've had a number of clients who, you know, they just don't know how to use modern technology. Mm -hmm. And to like, okay, let's figure out what we can do to. You want to go to book club? We can do that. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes these goals are really small and then you build on from there. And a lot of times you're building confidence to know that they can do it. Um, yeah, I love that you're talking about this less from like this stage of life sucks. And so we're just going to help you like go through it easier. But you're actually saying like, let's make this good. Yeah. Like, find joy yeah. in the things that you really love. And let's just take care of all the things that are dragging you down. In some ways, this is the most amazing part of life, right? You don't yeah. have your kids. You don't have your, your, a lot of times your grandkids are older, like they're driving over to see you, mm -hmm. you know, um, it, you, you know who you are as a person and, you know, you also have your perspective and you're, you're not dead. Like, you know, you're a living, you know, I always tell people like, this is, you know, we have, these are older adults. These are not, you know, people on their deathbeds. Most of the time I'm working with, we need to find joy and comfort and get back to the things that, you know, that are important to us. Um, and there's a lot of ways we can do that. So are, help me understand, are you guys coming in and, and having these conversations? And then once you figure out what would enhance someone's life or quality of life, are you then bringing folks in to do the work? Or are you guys actually doing some of that work yourselves? That's a good question. So what I go and I do a new client assessment, generally takes about an hour and a half. These conversations are long and, you know, it's not, not a quick 15 minute call. Um, and then figure out like, you know, where are the opportunities? What is on fire? As I like to say, so often I'll go in and be like, oh, they don't think this is a problem. I'll be like, oh, that's a problem. <laughs> we need to address that mm -hmm. um, and figure out, okay, let's get things situated. What's the plan? And then put that plan in place. Now, I rely heavily on other people to work with me. I'm independent. Um, so if we need home care, there's agencies I work with. If we need, um, you know, support for uh, 
you know, home improvements. There's all these people mm. I have. That's the great thing about being in this industry as long as I have where I have is that I, I know everybody. And if I don't, I'm generally a phone call away, as I like to say, to mm -hmm. get all those things in place and then continually work with that person. But, you know, you need more than one person, you know, you need, you know, you need a group of people to make these things for it. And then also to set up real plans. So when things do change, you're not going, oh, I don't know what to do. And that's, I think where people get so frustrated as they sit in these, if you've ever sat in a hospital waiting room, right? And they come to you and they talk to you and they say, well, you now you got to do this and families do. What do you mean? I can't do that. You know, they, mm -hmm. if you start having these conversations early, often, then when you sit in that conference room with that doctor, then your loved one who's in the hospital and you who is there say, okay, we've got a plan. We weren't expecting to have to do this, but we know what we're going to do. And we know the resources and support we need. And that's, that's, I think, brings people a lot of comfort and value. So, Marga, you just earlier on talked about working with the older adults, right? Mm -hmm. Helping them go through whatever change, turning it into a positive, helping them enjoy life. Just in this past example, you mentioned sitting, talking to the doctor with someone else other than the patient who's in the hospital. So. Yeah. Let's let's unpack that a little bit. Do you who who do you actually have these conversations with? So I work with everybody. So you know I like to say um, that you know sometimes I, I like to broaden it a little bit because sometimes I work with people who are are more chosen family than blood family. So if you're the durable power of attorney, then you're I'm the person who would you would sign the contract with me. So we'll start at the very beginning. So I'm a contractor technically, right? So you sign the contract. And then I work with that person who's the family member, who's the contact. Mm -hmm. So that could be a sister, a daughter. Sometimes it's a good friend. Um, and sometimes it's a stepchild um, who's kind of a little bit more distance. It doesn't matter. Um, but it's that person who's that chosen advocate for them. And then I work with them. Sometimes I work with that person more than I even work with the older adult who we're talking about in this mm -hmm. situation as the client, because sometimes they, you know, maybe they're too sick or they aren't open to working with more people happen. Sometimes I just work with that, um, with that chosen family member to help mm -hmm. their older loved one. Um, and guide them through the situation. And that has actually happened a lot um, where somebody just needs an advocate for them to say, you know, okay, mm -hmm. my mom won't talk to you. You know, I've had that situation many times. My mom is very, you know, her, her behaviors are not great. She's not very, she's not open to talking to anybody else. We're having a hard time. And I just work with that, with that family member directly and say, okay, where are you at? Okay, let's go back. Right. Um, and as their advocate and as their expert, trusted expert, you know. So, all right. Well, so let's, that's a different dimension um, that I initially had in mind where you're now speaking to maybe that, uh, the child of the older adult, right? A sibling or some other family member. And I imagine that they may have a lot of questions like they don't, they're not experts in this necessarily, just because they were chosen right. to be in this role doesn't necessarily make them an expert. I think oftentimes also it's hard to make these decisions when you're so close to the person who actually needs the care. Um, maybe we can spend a little bit of time and like talk to us, what can those care 
I don't know if they're the right way to call them. It's not a caregiver, but that designated well, family think, member. Yeah, that family member, that, you know, um, I think the, the, to start is a conversation, right? So if anybody, you know, all of us should have a durable power of attorney, right? I mean, if you have any property, you, you, you know, everybody can be sick, right? So we should all have just a basic durable power of attorney. And for most of us, it would be a spouse, or, and for, you know, for older folks, mm -hmm. you know, if a spouse passes away or a spouse isn't really their best, sometimes their spouse isn't always the best person to make those decisions because they're old, they have their own issues, right? So then maybe it becomes that family member. Um, I'm seeing more and more clients without adult children or trusted adult children. Um, and I think that is a big caveat that a lot of us don't think about. And, and a lot of that's coming from you know, we have an epidemic of drugs and alcohol right now, or particularly drugs. And, you know, a lot of people, if people are dealing with that, those are not trusted family members anymore. So really, I like to go back to who's the trusted family member who can make the best decisions. And with that trusted person to say, okay, this is a living will. And that's where a good estate attorney comes into play. Sit down with them, work it through with an attorney. Okay, so there, you, you know, right off the bat, you know, this is a guideline. And a lot of people feel like that process really helps them. And then check in, you know, and if there are more people who are involved. So if you are a, you have a sibling that maybe lives in another country, right. And they're visiting once a year. And I, I've had a number of those clients who have families who live overseas, have a family meeting or have it on zoom to check mm -hmm. in maybe once a year, say, Hey, how are things going? You know, we still have your power of attorney as, uh, you know, Bob and your, Financial power of attorney is um, Greg, right? And and a lot of times you don't have to have the same person doing everything, but saying, are we still on track and are things still going okay? And I find that those ongoing conversations and then when things change, you know, that's a good time to bring in a care manager it's to say, okay, well, now we have this to work with. Let's, let's expand it a little bit. So um, maybe that's where you can tell us more about, because I imagine unless someone has already gone through that experience with a family member, um, especially those listeners that have someone that they think they may end up caring for, this right. this may be kind of like this black box that they just don't know how to even unpack or navigate. So maybe give us some examples or take us through that. Like what, how can these folks start to prepare themselves? So if you have a family member or someone who's close to you, so maybe a, um, a neighbor, you'd be amazed at how many people their their closest people are their neighbors and who are their durable power attorneys. It's always mind boggling to me. You know, you live next door to somebody for 40 years. Sometimes that's your closest relationship. You know, your son moves to Georgia. You see him twice a year, talk to him once a you're probably closer to your neighbor in some ways. So your, your son should know, okay, he's your durable power attorney, but really I want my neighbor to be involved, right? She really mm -hmm. knows what's going on. She really knows that, you know, you can have these conversations and take them and make them a little smaller. So I like to call them cup of tea relation, cup of tea conversations. Start with a cup of tea. Just make it really simple. Hey, Aunt Beth, you know, I know that um, you're getting older. You know, it seems like, you know, there's more health issues going on. Can you tell me who your durable power of attorney is? And they say, oh, well, it's actually you. It is. Okay, well, <laughs> great. Um, can I take a look at those papers? 
or I don't have one, would you, could you be it, right? And if they don't have one, they can say, okay, let's come up with a plan. Start with there. For somebody who really, let's say a family member doesn't have the time, the onus to maybe somebody needs more financial oversight, pay their bills, kind of more um, to ensure their money is safe. Maybe that's a fiduciary to hire for the family. Um, and that's an option to consider. Um, but to start with those conversations, just as, like I said, just, just long enough to have a cup of tea is a good start and to build from there. Anything um, that folks should be thinking about in terms of like areas that they should not, uh, you know, venture down, like, like paths, opening up those conversations, asking those kind of questions without the support of someone like yourself? Um, I think again, it's having those, you know, you know who you're talking to. And I would just say, I, I would really start it as a place of empathy right? You know, coming in with that is just, and asking a lot of open-ended questions. How do you feel about having this conversation? Are you comfortable me, you know, with me asking you these, these questions? And if you're not, who should we include in this conversation? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm, I want to talk to you about this because it's important to me. It's important to me that I know I can take care of you as things change and we're both not getting any younger, right? And I also wanna be a better caregiver for you and a better advocate for you. But to do that, I need your help. And I think if we put the onus, not just on them, but on ourselves and make it a two-way relationship, being a caregiver for someone can be sometimes more valuable to the person who's giving care to the one who's getting care. Hmm. An interesting perspective. I think you'll hear that a lot when mm -hmm. people say, you know, these last couple of years with my dad, I felt like we started a whole new relationship. I'll have people tell me that all the time. Like, I felt like, you know, sitting in the waiting room while my mom was getting her, let's say, cancer treatments, we had all this time to reconnect as adults, right? Our kids leave when they're 18. We see them three or four times a year, right? It, it's, you know, sometimes we can look at this as an opportunity to build a relationship or expand upon one. Hmm. I love that. Um, anything else that you would want to share with our listeners, whether they would be the older adults themselves, maybe thinking ahead, or maybe this is one of their family members that may the be other, providing that care. Yeah. The other thing I would say is, you know, this is where a good financial advisor, I'm not plugging you, but I'm just saying a good financial advisor is important in this conversation um, because you're not going to get a money tree to cover everything, right? So I think it's good for families. I just met with a family recently who was like, I have no idea what the financials is. And I was like, well, that's got to change right now. Like, you know, we can't write checks without knowing what, you know, we're going to be spending for. So I think to say like, okay, do you have a financial advisor? Do you have a trusted accountant? Do you have somebody who specializes? And to really have that in place, you know, to say, okay, well, I'm happy to be your, you know, your support person, but what am I, you know, what am I getting into, right? Like, is this going to cost me money? And I think that is to say, no, 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 I have, you know, we have, you know, this is what we have and to know. And I think that is an important option that I think a lot of people don't think about because we don't like to talk about money. Um, but I think it's an important conversation after we do the durable power of attorney and all of these, you know, the will, the wills and all these important other legal documents, I tell people, you got to go from the lawyer to the accountant. 
Yeah, and it's always good to have a team. Absolutely. You know, and it's at what point would you recommend that folks consider bringing in someone like yourself to really help them move forward? I think that as soon as they're to the point where they realize they need to make changes, that's when they should bring in a care manager. So as soon as they know that things are going to have to change, they probably needed to change six months, nine months, two years before. Generally, I walk in the door and we're, we're, we're already behind the eight ball. You know, we're not ahead of it. Mm-hmm. There are a few exceptions, but they're rare. Okay. Well, let's, um, let's pivot a little bit. And I'm curious, uh, given that we are having this conversation because you chose to be part of a business circle community as part of Hebrew Free Loan uh, of San Francisco, I'm curious, what was your connection and reasons behind choosing to support the agency and get involved? Um, so I have spent my entire life connected to the Jewish community. Um, it wasn't like a new thing to find connection there. So um, I went to Hebrew school. I was bought mitzvah. I became very active in young Judea in high school. Um, and then in college, I was involved in Hillel. And Hillel was connected to the Federation. I went to San Francisco State. I did my undergraduate there. And um and then I went on Project Otsma, which is the federation for, um, uh, it's a federation program after college. And then I started working and kind of had to figure out, you know, what did that look like? And I feel like actually becoming a parent brought me back into the Jewish community more connected um, because then my son went to Gone at, mm-hmm. at Temple Sinai. And I was like, oh, well, now I'm part of a synagogue. Okay. Um, And then as I grew in my career, meeting more people, you know, who are, were connected to the Jewish community. And I was like, well, I can figure out a connection between my work and my personal life. There can be some crossover. Um, And then when I started this business, um, I realized, you know, I'm really helping people. I mean, and so is Hebrew Free Loan, right? You guys directly write a check that directly has effect and really helps people. And I feel like there's a lot of connection there. And I found out about the business circle because I was trying to help another care manager find help for her client. And she was like, you know, we call each other, right? And we're like, what do you think? You know, you pass it back and forth. What am I missing? And I said, let's try Hebrew free loan. And and that was how I was connecting somebody to Hebrew free loan secondhand. And I found out about the business circle and I thought, well, geez, that seems like that's me. (laughs) And here I am. So, um, and I, you know, I still have my connections. Like I'm my, my, where I really spend my time is uh, a local Hadassah chapter called Kesher Oak, which I'm the chapter president now, um, which connects from, you know, when I was in high school, which was uh, Young Judea, which is part of Hadassah. So it, it all comes full circle. Yeah. I was just thinking about it full circle indeed. And I I hope that the agency was able to help your colleague or their client ultimately. I'm not sure what they, they happened because it wasn't my client, but yeah. it was one of these things where sometimes we'll call each other and just say like any professional group, right. Where you're just like, all right, I have, I feel like I've checked all these boxes. What am I missing? Right. And so I was like, let's, let's try this. And that person hadn't heard of Hebrew free loan. Well, thank you for spreading the word and absolutely being a, not only a connector, but ultimately helping people in, in any way that you can. I, I think that's an important element, especially in your line of work, uh, given 
that you're always often working with people, I imagine, who um, may not be able to help themselves as much as they would like to. Right. Um, Margo, anything else that you would want to leave our listeners with before we start to wrap up? Um, you know, I just want to say thank you for being here and I appreciate this opportunity. And um, I think that, you know, we're, we've talked a lot about getting, you know, caring for those who are older and need more care. And um, I just, I would really, if anybody has questions are welcome to reach out to me through my website or um, through me directly. And I'm glad to talk to anybody if they have additional questions. I think it's a, a, a you know, it's a complex, uh, difficult thing. And I think a lot of people, once they start thinking about it, kind of becomes of a Pandora's box. Mm -hmm. uh, so please, please reach out. Well, thank you for that. And folks, we've been talking with Margot Nijissery, a geriatric care manager and owner of Montclair Elder Services, about finding better ways to care for our aging family members. Um, so Margot, you mentioned uh, folks can reach out to you through your website. Um, what is that website and how else can folks find you and learn more about you? So it's MontclairElderServices.com. And my email is margo, M-A-R-G-O-T, at MontclairElderServices.com. And um, that's the best way to reach out to me. Perfect. Well, on behalf of everyone at Hebrew Filone and the Business Circle, Margo, I want to thank you again for being with us. Uh, thank you for giving us some of your time and sharing some of your experience. And uh, thanks to all of our listeners. And be well, everybody. Thanks, Margo. Thank you.